So we have to keep our vigilance and maintain in order to maintain our liberty. And in this country, you can see that there's a lot of different campaigns, a lot of different complex organizations that are operating in the state level, county level, in your local government, all across the country. And there is a groundswell to bring about this era of post-constitutional and post-Americana. And I think that these neo-socialists and these throwback retro-old-world communist thugs who would shoot slingshot beads at the cops and shoot them in the eyes with lasers are really going to bring about the dystopian world that they're all dressed for with their weird black paramilitary nerd outfits and the purple and green hair and the safety pin, ear piercings and nose piercings. These people are already trying to bring us into the Mad Max Thunderdome world of barbarian chaos. And so they have no intention of letting any semblance of order arise. And that's what you're feeling all across America now. That's why you feel so overwhelmed. Typically, a country is going to be run as smoothly as possible, but they have used all the levers of power to create total confusion, and they're trying to produce a national train wreck. And they're working hard at it. And when you, we have to go out and physically find out why the, why the country is is no longer functioning correctly, and you have to, and, and your power goes out, and your internet service will no longer let you look at the things that you want to, and you can no longer control your phone or your social media account because other people are going to shadow ban you or block your posts or you know when they are trying to extinguish your identity on a mass scale with an algorithm. And we heard a report that there was a a, a really violent train wreck recently. And we have to be suspicious. I mean, at what point are these anarchists going to start doing bombs, derailing trains? And you can imagine the mischief and the, the kind of destruction that these, these, like I said, retro throwback, Bolshevik, nihilist, atheist, they have no, they have no hope in the world. The same people that are running around the streets with assault rifles so that, you know, so that motorists and the public in fear of their life are just going to jump out and shoot them. And these are the people that are, I don't know what they, they expect that there's going to be a revolution, but in the end, people are dying. And a lot of these revolutionaries are going to die. These people running in the highways are getting hit by cars. They thought that they were going to go out with a sign and change the world and stop traffic at night. And then they get hit by three cars. The same thing with these people that are crowding the highways and they expect the huge truck to stop and just sit there and, and get dis- you know, destroyed when any sane person is going to try to get out of there and drive away. And when people get caught in the wheels, they're screaming in the, the madness of their nihilism and their atheism and their madness that they've just dis- descended themselves into. And there's really no hope for them because they have no idea who they serve or who, they, who their masters are. They're just the useful idiots that are out there. But these useful idiots can bring us to the point of a civil war. And that's really where we're getting. And if you listen closely to a lot of the information that's coming in, we have to deal with the fact that there could be civil strife on a large scale. When the federal officers are being overrun and the local police are being overrun and citizens are getting afraid, then the real civil protections that are allowing these people to protest, 
allowing them to come each night and shoot lasers at the cops' eyes and use their crazy umbrella shield wall to shoot smoke canisters back at the cops. At some point, those people, that tiny fractional minority of psychopaths and crackheads, really, I mean, the drug thing is really driving it. I think a lot of people are looking and reading the news articles and they can't understand that the people out shooting the canisters back at the cops every night at 3 a.m. are crackheads. That's what drives them. They're meth addicts, they're, they're drug addicts. And they're, they think that they're revolutionaries. They're, they're from the university campus level. They're just useful, naive cannon fodder. So at some point, I want to make an effort to look at some of the kind of like notable headlines that we can see. And we want to look, review the news, of course, and current events. And we want to get back to some of the, the, the topics that we've, we've been discussing all along. And this, this is an introduction to a new way of thinking, a new way to inform yourself that might not have been possible be possible before in the past. And like I said, I don't know how well you can describe my political thinking and my understanding and my, my philosophical presets about life. I mean, things are, are subject to change over time. And you have to be able to re-examine your belief systems and your presuppositions that you've held for a long time and have gone unchallenged and you've never needed to question. It's time to look at why we do things, why we have some traditions. I always ask people too, like why they celebrate Easter. Now, when I was young, I was raised as a Roman Catholic and I, and I was an altar boy when I was young. And for every reasonable expectation suggested that I would be a Catholic my entire life and believe the dogma of Rome that I had been always taught to believe. And my grandmother too even had me kind of fitted out for a devotional role in the church in the future, I think. So I think that if it hadn't been for the... Um, happenstance of fate over the course of time and the intervention of the Lord, I'm sure I would have been in, enrolled in the holy orders, as it were. So I have to ask people, when we look at the scripture and we go back, at this point, it doesn't matter if you look at the Vulgate or, or which one of these, it, you know, ultimately there's going to be a controversy there in the scriptures about which one, the Sinaiticus or the Latin Vulgate, and there's going to be a difference there. And the difference between them is, is very important. So ultimately, the Latin Vulgate is going to be used for the, the Rems Dewey, which is going to be the, the Roman Catholic version of the Bible. And the other version, the Codex Sinaiticus, is going to be the version, the Greek version that British and German scholars are going to use to translate and reproduce the first Bibles. Even though they were banned by Rome, these Protestant states later in the 16th and 17th century would go ahead and reproduce these scriptures. And they were kept alive in certain the cathars and other other groups throughout the, the centuries had kept these scriptures alive and they were not in latin so if they were not in latin and they were not from jerome's latin vulgate then they were considered heresy by the church so it's important to you, for you to understand that there's a difference in these two different translations of the word of god but really ignorance is no excuse and doing something blindly your entire life because you were taught to by others who came before you who you trusted is really no excuse at all when the simple fact is a tradition like Easter shouldn't be practiced by Christian believing people. Now we all agree that the Lord was resurrected after his crucifixion. He was resurrected on the third day. And the question is, where does Easter come into play? Because really, if you look at the scriptures, and this is why I was pointing out that it doesn't matter if it's the Latin Vulgate or the Codex Sinaiticus, both of those historical records that we translate our Bibles from, point out that the Lord went into Jerusalem 
on Passover. And Passover is a distinct holiday. It's been held at a certain time of year for thousands of years. And it, it, it's, it's unmistakable. The point is, is that Easter doesn't very often fall on Passover. Passover is a set day on the calendar each year. It happens and it reoccurs annually on the same week. It's Passover week, so the same week each year is going to be celebrated for Passover. And that's the biblical holiday, the biblical tradition that has been celebrated for thousands of years. But somewhere along the way, the Roman church introduced this idea of Easter, which is the fact that they look to the first full moon within the given month, and then they do the celebration of Easter on the Sunday that follows that first full moon. So it's based on the lunar calendar. And this is not biblical. There are no holidays that pertain to Christ or his resurrection that we look to on some level an astrological feature, an astrological time, whether it be in the planets or the sun or the moon. This is a remnant of pagan religio-cultic priestcraft. And this is going to be barbarian religion. It's unbiblical. And it attempts to usurp the biblical holiday. So a lot of people are going to celebrate with the Easter bunny and paint eggs and really hold a completely separate holiday that's completely divorced and separated from Christian religion, biblical, scriptural Christian religion. And people just don't know this. They think that Easter is, has something to do with Christ. He is risen. But He is risen is a Passover celebration, not an Easter celebration. The celebration of Ishtar and the goddess worship that pertain to the moon as a lunar worship, admiration and worship that was projected at the moon as a deity was held as a religious practice in Egypt, in Babylon, and in ancient Greece, and the Assyrians did it. And the worship of the moon is not a practice that is in the biblical texts. It's not something that the Israeli, the Jewish Israelite people have ever historically taken part in. They have been celebrating Yom Kippur, and they have been celebrating Rosh Hashanah, which is the, the, the first of the year, which is their new year. They've been celebrating, they were celebrating Passover. And that's what they were celebrating at the time of Jesus' death. They were Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It was a certain time. And when we celebrate Passover on the calendar, we're celebrating the week that Jesus went triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem and was captured by the Roman soldiers and crucified on a Roman crucifixion. The cross was the, was the Roman form of execution. Several men were killed on the cross with Jesus because that's how they killed men. It was the Roman way of killing men. And it was a terrible, terrible death. But the problem is, is that they crucified Jesus this way, and he was an innocent man. And this is why 2,020 years later, we're still discussing these issues. So when you celebrate Easter, you're celebrating a vile, wicked, evil, pagan practice, and you're doing it ignorantly. And you're doing it because the world system around you sells you the plastic eggs and the gross chocolate candy and they and you're supposed to give to your little children and inculcate this religion into their lives you're supposed to brainwash your little kids to practice this vile religious practice with candy and fake plastic eggs and an easter bunny and you're supposed to participate in that rationally without thinking just you just do it and your parents did it to you and their parents did it to them and then you'll do it to your kids and that's how you get easter that's how you get pagan practices that's how you get evil religion now in the, the tradition of the bible 
with the 12 tribes of Israel and, and Judah and the Jews and these Israelite Jewish religious ideas, they had to bar mitzvah. So that means that you became accountable to understand the scriptures when you were 13. So you had a period of training. You had your childhood, you grew up, you were a kid, and then you got older and you learned. And at 13, you had a, a moment to express the amount that you had learned from the scriptures and so on. So they weren't inculcating their one, two, three-year-old babies with Easter eggs in order to brainwash them with candy in order them, for them to participate in a, in a wicked religious tradition that worships the moon. That's what you're doing. And then you want people to respect you. People who, people who are trying to raise their kids right, to have a, a healthy relationship with God, and to understand what the scriptures are. And then you want to throw in Easter eggs and candy and painting eggs and Easter egg hunts and all this bullcrap into it and you want to do it blindly because other people told you to do it that's your roman religion that's what you are that's what that's what that's why you have an emptiness of a void in you because you're refusing to obey the lord and you're refusing to cast aside these wicked practices that he's condemned he's condemned and if you go and look carefully at the bible you'll see that this has been an issue for quite some time because you won't read it and you just do what everyone else tells you and then you see the easter egg candy stand up at the store and you know it's time in your little mental program and your brainwash to do easter and this is what they've been doing to you since you were a kid in public school look at the public school calendar the public school calendar ever since you were a little kid took four days off or whatever and had everyone come in and pass easter candy to each other same thing with saint valentine's day it's just another roman roman religion man saint patrick's day these are the saints of the vatican this is the religion of the Vatican that's being matriculated to your kids. They took the Bible out of schools, and they took prayer out of schools. But every year at Christmas, that ball mass, that's what we call it. It's not, there's no Christ in it. There's no association between Jesus Christ and December 25th. Even though the pagans have syncretized these religious, which is, which is the main, they religiously conflated them. They syncretized these religious practices together. It's still a sin. It's still required by God for you to know the difference and to pull away and separate yourself from these traditions. Your families are not going to be able to succeed. Your marriages are not going to succeed. Your happiness is, not, is going to be gone. You're not going to be able to operate correctly and have your conscience clean before the Lord until you are able to separate these two things. And you're not going to find a big Hanukkah time, a Hanukkah tree. You're not going to see Rolex do a Hanukkah commercial with a big Rolex wash, you know, like how you, how you see with Christmas. Christmas is hugely commercialized. It's an accepted world religious practice. Rome has been practicing December 25th with Saturnalia and so on and so forth for a thousand years before Jesus was even born and before Mary was even overshadowed for a thousand years. So when the Roman soldiers were there crucifying Jesus Christ on their Roman crucifixion stake and they hung and nailed him up there, those were the men who practiced December 25th. Jesus didn't. He wasn't born on December 25th. That's the whole point. You're practicing a lie. And then you're looking down your nose at other people who won't practice this lie with you. It's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to snap out of it. It's time for you to figure out why it is you do the traditions you do. Christmas is really a religion for rich people who can afford to do elaborate presents. A lot of, most people can't afford that. They can't afford to participate in that brainwash. There's a lot of emotional, cultural pressure that's on families to participate in this ridiculous thing. Companies have their Christmas party. It's just a complete and total brainwash. A lot of people don't celebrate it. Like my uh, co-host was pointing out, the Sikhs, wonderful religion, probably more honest than Christmas worshipers and Easter goers. Muslims don't practice it. Jews who are practicing their religion don't practice it. Protestant Christians don't practice it. Where I grew up in Pennsylvania around the Amish, they did not practice it. 
the, the really mainline Baptist churches, they don't, they don't practice it. But you wouldn't know that because everybody in the world has a little Santa hat and with the little Santa Claus and you teach your kids that Santa gave them a present and then they're the, they're the kids on the bus who get teased by all the other kids because they still believe in Santa. And then when you do this, you've wrecked their entire understanding of Christianity and their, and their understanding of the, the, the birth of Christ. You've ruined it. Not by accident. But this was the nature of the entire cult that, for which you have been brainwashed. You, you have literally saturated your children with these, this brainwash so that it would ruin their relationship with God. And they grow up later. They don't. God's a lie. God's not real. God's like Santa. Some sleigh, some sleigh guy comes down the chimney and there's no chimney in the house. But So I expect you to wake up. I expect you to stop practicing this perverse and disgusting pagan folly. And if you won't, and you're doing it with the full knowledge that there's nothing Christian about it, then I have to wash my hands of you because I have nothing further. I can't come over there and join in that just vile practice that you're practicing. And when I go into the Roman Catholic Church, all I see is a huge statue with the crucified Lord suffering. Not, not his triumphal entry, not his, his, his moment where he rises into paradise. So they, they keep, in the Roman church, they keep Jesus staked down on that stake for everyone to see him bleeding. Because that's their moment of triumph in Rome. That's, that's the cult of your religion. You just don't understand it. There's an inner doctrine and then there's an outer doctrine for all you, you know, regular, regular folks. All the goyim, that's what they call you. You're a goyim. You're, you're, un, you're uninitiated. You, you don't know anything. You're a know-nothing. And you go in there and you try to practice Christianity in the church that gloats over the fact that they were the ones who killed the Son of God. And in fact, in their mind, he's really not the Son of God. He's just a Jewish avatar, just another spiritual teacher. But the point of Rome is, is there's only one imperator. There's only one ultimate king of the Roman Empire. And when Julius Caesar went in there and broke the Republic and smashed that democracy, took over the power to make laws and to command the army, and he passed it to, down the line, right down the line, to Augustus, right down to Tiberius. They passed that authority of that dictatorship right down the line. Nero dance. We, we know the history. It was that dictatorship that outlawed the cult of Jesus Christ. And hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and innumerable believers who followed Christ were killed by the Roman Empire. And then later, after Emperor Constantine, who had the same authority that Julius Caesar, he had that dictatorship. He merged that dictatorship and that seat of power with the bishop, which is a Christian title. He merged it with the bishop of Rome. So he became the emperor of Rome and the bishop of over the church in Rome. And with that title, Vicarious Philae Dei, that was invented by Constantine, he became the first pope. So it's not Peter, it's not, it's not some other bullcrap. You need to know your history. And you've been terribly deceived and you're just a victim of deception. So you see all this information around you, pick and choose what you decide is gonna, well, I'll pick this up today. I believe these COVID numbers. I believe this report about, you know, the politics. So you, know, you, you just pick and choose what you wanna believe so, because truth is no longer relevant. You can just decide to shape and form fit a propaganda mechanism, a propaganda instrument for your mind that makes you feel comfortable, that you want to accept. And like I said before, I, I don't have any problem with, with people who are living in homosexual lifestyles. I don't have any problem with that. I can't relate to it. I can't judge it. I can't understand it. I mean, I look in the, in the New Testament. I don't really think Jesus said a single word about it. It's just, it's not an issue. But at the same time, I can't help but point out that I don't want people who are in homosexual relationships who, who can't have children, who don't have any physical, biological children of their own, and they can't because of their lifestyle. I don't want them to have anything to say about abortion rights or about how children are taught in school. I, I, they don't really have 
anything to say about children at all because their lifestyle has chosen to exclude and preclude any possibility of having any biological children because they're not having sex. Because when you have sex, you have a male and a female. That's what the word sex means. So we're trying to derange and rearrange the meaning of science and the meaning of sanity and the meaning of reality and the meaning of logic and, and reason itself is supposed to be a rearranged to fit people's presupposed moral notions. That's what we're talking about. So, so biological sexes is the male and the female. That's how a species is procreated. That's how we look around and I see grass and I see trees and flowers. I see insects. I see fish swimming because sex, because male and female. And if, if you're having an orgasm with a partner who's not the opposite sex from you, you're not really having sex. You have a masturbation partner. Ultimately, it's the highest form of narcissism when you want to sexually desire your own gender, your own sexual genitalia. You desire that in a partner, not not the opposite sex. That's narcissism. That's, that's being unable to reach out and ultimately form a relationship with the opposite, with the other. So it's just not natural. And that's highly unpopular, boy. It's highly unacceptable. You could probably get sued or arrested for saying that homosexual relationships are just not natural. They're not biologically natural. I'm not saying that they're immoral. I really can't speak to that. I can't just speak to people's heart and their, their, and their mind and their condition and what, what drives them. But what I refuse to accept this idea that you're going to press other people into believing that it is natural in the normal order of things when it just it just is it isn't it's not natural and normal for pedophiles either it's not natural and normal for people to butcher themselves up to to try to rearrange themselves into into another gender they used to call this it was a psychological disorder up until the 1990s wasn't it in the dsm3 uh medical manual or whatever it was gender dysphoria somebody who who needed to be treated because they felt like that they should act and be a, a, another gender than what they are. You don't treat that kind of mental illness by injecting people with steroids and then cutting up their natural genitalia to reform it to try to fit their mental illness. That's where, that's where we're at. And like I said, I don't have any interest in trying to fit into some kind of mold of political correctness. And I'm not going to be a follower. I'm not going to just follow along with whatever the current expectation of etiquette is they're trying to change this is not going to work it's just not going to work these liberals in academia are living in a strange separated echo chamber and since their forms of ideas and their notions of morality will not help them to effectively have a constructive nuclear family model or a spouse or any children they won't have any children of their own to inculcate these doctrines to these doctrines are going to be taught to other kids, other people's kids, in public schools because the parents are not teaching their kids anything and they're leaving their kids open to be taught whatever it is that these people that are popping out of academia, these kind of like freak shows of pseudo-intellectual monstrosities that are popping out of academia, decide that they're going to teach your kids. And it doesn't just stop with Marxism. The whole perverse thing, you're, you know, with homosexuality leading to transsexuality leading to pedophilia leading to that's all part and parcel of what it is to be a neo-marxist and a neo-communist in today's academic world where now grammar is racist so if you use proper grammar it's racist so it's a breakdown of all knowledge all the orders intelligence intellectual discipline are just completely annihilated this common core math now nobody can do math these kids that can't do math they can't learn it they can't understand it they can't teach it it's being blocked off it's just trying to black out math 
from a, the entire generation. You have to go and pay a math scholar to teach your children. Like This is why the Greeks would have to have Aristotle come in and teach their children the truth of true meaning, true numbers, true math, true geometry, true reality. Because you, all you're going to get out there eventually is going to be common core math, a flat earth. That's, that's coming. Like my co-host Sonenthal pointed out. It's coming. They're going to they're gonna make that a thing where when these people can no longer circumnavigate the globe, they, they can no longer use the stars and the instruments to figure out how to sail away the way that the Puritans did when they found this land. When, they, when, when we're back to the complete serfdom and the complete total annihilation of complete ignorance when we believe we're on a flat earth. And you think that that's impossible. How could, how could anyone, how could a society be regressed and damaged so thoroughly that it would make them return to the this neolithic stone age mentality of believing we're in a flat earth but that's what we're dealing with this is the destruction of proper schooling for a purpose of making the people in the next the following generations in descending order more and more ignorant as as time goes on kids in school i have kids i have teenagers i know the deal i have high school boys that have to go to inner city schools that's just what it is they got to step over syringes and crack stems to uh get to their classes you know down these some of these streets you don't even know you don't know what's going on out here my kids have been shot at when they're going to the park to play with the basketball they get shot at by some random people that just want to shoot somebody they just listen to the rap music the gangster murder rap and they just can't wait to just ride around and find someone to murder that's what's going on but you don't know anything about that that's what you get when you just break down the family and you break down society and you break down the schools and there's no longer any learning. No one knows anything. No nothings. Don't know anything about your own religion. Just doing it. Just doing what you've been told. The reason why the crucifixion cross is shaped like a T is because it represented the letter T. Jesus was crucified on a big T and that is a Roman letter. That's a letter that they used in Rome before we got to England in English. Back in Rome, during the time when Jesus was there, he had to drag that huge letter T, like Sesame Street, okay? I'm gonna teach you guys like Sesame Street. Huge letter T down down the street, out the city, and they hammered him and hung him up on that, on that big T because the letter T stands for Tammuz. And Tammuz is the ancient Babylonian god, and the sun god that the Romans mainly worshiped. And later in, and in Greek, they would call him Apollo. That's why the, the cross looks like a T. That's why we don't use the cross in Protestant churches. It's a symbol, an ugly symbol of Roman murder. Why would you ever have a big, ugly cruise, like a big guillotine or a big noose in your church with the savior of your religion, the Lord of your religion hanging on the noose or on the guillotine? And that, that's what it is. It's an ugly, despicable, disgusting symbol. Don't wear it around your neck on a piece of golden jewelry. It's profane. That's what Protestants think about that. It's profane and it's ugly. It's irreligious and it's unchristian to wear a cross or even to put Jesus up on it and have a, have a crucifix and have a rosary and have him on there and you, you rub him and you pray on there. That's ridiculous. So I'm just sorry to tell you that you've been participating in a false religious system and you just didn't know it. And it's uncomfortable and it's uneasy and it's going to make you angry and you don't want to believe it. And you like the Christmas lights that you celebrate and you put it up and Hollywood was doing it and all your favorite movies are all about it. Even on Prometheus. If you watch Prometheus, the alien movie, they arrived at the set time in the other dimensional star system where they were supposed to go. They, they, they had received a signal to, to arrive there on December 25th because you don't understand the occult significance and meaning of it. It's a high black mass holiday. It's a, it's a holiday they used to murder children on. Child sacrifice was done on December 25th. You don't know anything about it. 
It's not Jesus' birthday. You ought to stop doing it. So I don't mean to be hard with you, but I want you to stand back over there, think about what you've been told before you come and approach me. Because I, I, I'm in a fullness of the understanding of where I'm at. I'm not doing certain things because there's a reason why. And I'm encouraging you to participate in that good reason with me and leave that behind and see what the Lord does for you. See what kind of things change for you in your life, in your dreams at night, in your marriage, in your family dynamics. When your kids can be reassured that you know, you're going to stand up for the truth and you're going to remind them of what the truth behind all these facts are. And some of these traditions, they're just meaningless. And doing them in an infantile way and practicing them like, same thing with birthdays. I've got to get you on you guys about birthdays. I can't imagine when you get over 30 or you're 40 and you're still celebrating your birthday like a, like a little kid. That's the most asinine, infantile, immature thing ever. And you're going to sit there and be sad every year on a certain number, 12, 15, 6, 21, 16. Well, whatever the date of your birthday comes up, you're going to be sad when no one notices because everyone's supposed to sit around and be, be aware of your existence that you were born and it's a big celebration. You know what you should do on your birthday? You should buy all of your family members presents on your birthday. That's what it should mean. You should be waiting around to absorb selfishly the adulation of other people and sit around and clap and blow out the candles. That is an infantile, retrogressive, damaging practice to do with your kid. Don't do it. On your kid's birthday party, you know what their birthday celebration, they should have all the guests over and they should have to give each one of the guests a present that they got for them on their birthday. That would be meaningful. That would be something that's valuable and emotionally enlightening and enriching in the child's life. So until you're ready to understand the dynamics of the world around you, and you just look at the calendar and every calendar is printed out and it says, these are the holidays. They're just print it out for you. If you don't question that or understand what is happening, you have to understand that in the 1700s, 1800s in Boston, Boston was Protestant. There was no Christmas celebration. It was illegal in Boston in the 1830s to practice Christmas. They didn't do it. It was considered Roman. It was Romish. It was barbarian. It was an affront to intellectual Christian knowledge. Real Christians who understood that, and you're talking about hundreds of years ago, understood that it was the holiday of fools. It was a festival of fools. It was something that was an insult to God. It was irreligious. You would never practice it if you were trying to please God. So, But what are you doing? Getting ready to have a Christmas list? I'm sorry that you don't know any of these things. I'm sorry that I seem like I must be mad to you. But a sane man seems insane to an insane world. And that's, that's where you're at. You haven't been able to look and accept the facts. You've just been going with the social flow. Every year, the Mercedes dealership puts up the big Christmas decoration and you just accept it. Zales jewelry, or everyone is participating in it. So there is no cultural or national understanding or significance placed around the fact that you shouldn't celebrate this. It's unchristian. And later on, we'll have to discuss it more. But I, I can't stand that the people around me that I love, my family members, the people that in the world around me, people who are really smart, really smart people, really conscientious people, people that are really concerned about doing right by the Lord and, and, and following correct Christian principles and, and doing right by their neighbor and honoring their parents and doing everything good. But they forgot the things that matter the most to the Lord. They forgot his day. They forgot his word and his commandment. We, Jesus actually stipulates and points this out specifically regarding December 12th, the whole thing. There's more details that you just are missing because you haven't gone in there and checked. It's not other people's job to have to inform you about the facts on every single detail. You should be able to have a critical mind. You should be asking, you should have a prayer life. You should be asking the Lord to reveal things. If you're missing something, if there's something wrong with Christmas, why don't you pray and ask the Lord to show it to you? Should you be practicing that? Ask for a dream. Ask for some, some divine revelation. 
in your life. And if you don't have that prayer life, then what are you doing practicing this fake Christianity, this pagan cult anyway? If you're, if you're not Christian, if you don't have any relationship to the Lord, then you don't need to be being religious. You don't need a Christmas holiday to feel good about with Santa. It's another level of enslavement. You just haven't been able to challenge yet. You haven't been able to look at. Some people are living outside of these shackles and have escaped those mental prisons. So I encourage you to, to, to do that, to look into it.